It was getting uncomfortably hot. The Kellid groaned and tried to roll over to put his back to the sunlight coming through the tent. But everything hurt and he couldn't move. He opened his eyes and saw the dead gaze of a monster staring back at him. He jerked back, suddenly remembering. He wasn't in his tent. He was at the base of a crater. He couldn't roll because his back was up against the hard, metal side of the impossible flying boat he'd come here to find. He slowly pushed himself to his feet. Nothing seemed broken, but he couldn't be sure. He looked down at the massive corpse lying next to him. It was entirely covered in some sort of strange armor, the same dull green as the boat. Its helmet had some kind of red glass circle on it that almost looked like an eye. There was a crack in the circle, and a thick, shimmering fluid was slowly leaking out. Both the corpse's legs and one of its arms were just missing, the armor where they met the body torn and ragged, with more of that fluid and another thinner, darker one slowly pooling from the wounds. The Kellid put his hand against the side of the boat to steady himself, and quickly pulled it away with a yell. The metal was burning hot. He turned to look behind him, and was nearly blinded by the gout of bright purple flame pouring from the back of the boat, easily a few hundred feet from where he stood, but he could feel the heat baking off it like it was right next to him. He heard a crunching sound, and turned back to see the orc. Right, forgot about you. Rushing towards him from the front of the boat, it must have worked its way down the cliff while he was knocked out. It let out a bellow when it saw him notice it, and sped up. He grabbed his sword from the ground, let out a war cry of his own, and ran to meet his foe. This is Pod Against the Machine. Pod Against the Machine Welcome back to Pod Against the Machine, the Pathfinder actual play podcast that lingers longer than any other. And frankly, at this point, it's too awkward to leave. I'm your host, and here's everybody. Hello. Oh, I was going to see how long we'd go without saying anything. What if just yeah. 60 minutes of silence? <laughs> We're going to leave that all in. Mm-hmm. That delicious, Hello. awkward silence. Hey. Well, last time on the program, we <laughs> um, traveled from the road um, outside of Scrapwall all the way to Torch. And on the way, um, Vargas had an existential crisis as he suddenly realized he's able to cast uh, divine spells quite unexpectedly. Uh, he has all sorts of class abilities that he has not explored and dealt with yet and then um you know a day or two later we diffused an argument on the road where some crusaders were bullying some vagabonds and um those people just wanted to get back to burning man and they didn't 
steal any purses, or so they said, and the Crusaders thought they stole the purses, and they weren't fans of Burning Man at all. They thought it was untoward, but um, eventually they were guilt-tripped into leaving, because that is the correct and righteous religious thing to do in this situation. And um, mm -hmm. off they went, and it was awkward. And then the Vagabonds um, shared some animal facts and went on their way awkwardly as well. And then we made it back to Torch, where um, there was a, a reunion of sorts between Dinvaya and Joram that involved a uh, metamagic rod being passed along to the party and um, a polite fading to black. So um, the party, I believe, when we left, was just sort of hanging out in the... Temple of Bry, um, because as I said, we're we're lingerers here at Pot Against the Machine. We're singing "Linger" by the Cranberries outside of the door right now. Do you have to, to? illustrate the point? That's he opens the door and asks that. Uh, yeah. Um, little aside, he still has the the thing, right? The power boombox. Mm -hmm. Did we leave it? Yeah, the okay. relay. Yeah, the relay. <laughs> the say anything artifact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the John Cusack box. <laughs> <laughs> it's every 90s romantic <laughs> comedy going on right now. All right, what's the plan, folks? You just going to sleep on the floor of the um, temple? <laughs> I mean, Asher left. Just, just until we get an update on how it's going. <laughs> 90 minutes of loudly speculating on what's going on inside <laughs> from outside. Well, they just, give the listeners what they want. Well, they just sit in the room going, why would they leave? <laughs> go, go check the door again. Are they still here? What do you mean they're still here? I can still hear them. This is so awkward. <laughs> we just set up a game of Monopoly. We'll leave as soon as this game is done. <laughs> yeah, it's just called Settlers of Catan. Quick game. In, out. <laughs> In um, six days. So, I'm guessing probably go see, uh, what's his face, the foundry next? Master Bane. Yeah, Bane. Corner. <laughs> Alright. Well, it's not far at all to the foundry, nor the foundry. And also the foundry's right there. <laughs> <laughs> but the foundry tavern, um, it's a hopping, um, this evening, the workday ended not too long ago, and the foundry is open for business. So, um, for the one of the first times, I think, in quite a while, at least for all of you, uh, you see this um, place full of customers. There's people coming in ahead of you, um, and maybe uh, somebody walking down the path leading over to the foundry will like stop and do a little bit of a double take as they see you heading up there and go like hey it's a very capable four and like then head into the bar ahead of you can we start a cheer <laughs> asher's been sitting inside for 45 minutes wondering why his friends are still at the chapel <laughs> <laughs> canonically laughed after he said couples who pray together stay together he just turned around and left, and everyone else was still sitting in there playing Monopoly. <laughs> we'll be right behind you. All right, so we cut inside the Foundry Tavern, where um, Asher is, you know, hanging out, and you got um, Connor Bain is tending bar. He's on his uh, robot tripod legs, which are 
working for him. Um, you know, he's got him fully rigged up, so he's basically just like sitting in a sort of seat he's rigged for himself and using the actuation on the legs to walk around and uh, he's tending bar and then um, he's got a couple other employees uh, rushing around there's a bunch of customers here but Connor doesn't look super happy in general though he did definitely smile and greet you when you came in and just when we thought the battle couldn't get any worse all of a sudden an Etten comes in and she starts screaming about she runs Scrapple. Oh, there, there they are. That means you're all there. How long before I said Asher leave if he's this far I into mean, the story? 45 minutes. <laughs> Dark. Yeah, Vargas totally died, but it's fine. He's back now. Yeah, are like people freaking out that Asher's back? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a crowd. Like, all of the people who were there, um, like, just doing their own thing have steadily gathered around the bar and they're like paying rapt attention um so you've basically got like like 15 of torches um finest hanging out holding drinks and listening to the story of vargas getting his head bashed in (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you could believe it it ended up with just brixby and myself and all manner of orcs and Tiny robots. It's quite harrowing, but in the end, we managed to revive Kira, and oh, it was a somber occasion carrying Vargas's body back to the Clockwork Chapel. But you can see it all ended up well. Wow, when y'all left, you were level four. It looks like you're like level seven now. (laughs) I know, it's been quite an adventure. I never thought you'd come back to Torch. Well, of course we came back. I'll keep going. <laughs> oh my, I just can't believe that Kira's been swinging around a chainsaw. What would her parents think? Well, she's been swinging it very, you know, methodically. She's grown quite confident with the weapon. Anyone else? And with that, Kira cuts through the door with the chainsaw, <laughs> making a smaller door out of the door, a larger door. So it comes in on the outside of the door frame and just cuts like a one that she can walk through while holding the chainsaw. <laughs> Makes sense. It's still running, obviously. Of course. Yeah, it's loud enough in here that it just sort of adds in to the, the general din. That's, that's it. That's the one. Well, Connor and, and all the <laughs> others, I think, will basically, you know, they turn their heads and they, they'll wave to the lot of you as you come in. And, and everybody is suitably impressed as the heroes of Torch have returned um, victorious from this rather bizarre adventure that maybe not everybody really knew was going on. I think you get lots of offers for drinks for all of you, even though. Kara can't drink. That's illegal. She buys a soda. Connor will say, of course your money's no good here. Everything is on the house. Everything? Well, you know, within reason, but beverages and food. And you're welcome to sleep upstairs if, if you'd like to. In in this building in particular. Vargas, you want to go cut off a limb for old time's sake in one of the other ones? <laughs> No, not not today, but I wonder if maybe uh, 
Connor, if Val could run the bar for a moment for us to speak in private. You know she's she's like twelve, right? <laughs> no, like, we're just like Kira can't drink. Quick, get the eight-year-old. You run the bar. You don't have to drink to run the bar. So, no, no, I'll uh, I'll get uh, a different employee who totally has a name to do it. Waves over. Chevis, Chevis, come here. Chevis comes running over to take over the bar, and uh, um, of course, uh, after you. After us what? I mean, you said you need to speak. We have uh, information on the Technic League that you might find uh, he'll, useful, he'll, possibly. He'll hold up a finger, and uh, once you say Technic League, you can say, oh, perhaps, um, if, well, let, let's let's go somewhere a bit more private. And, uh, oh, I thought we had already done that part, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he'll, he'll lead the way. Um, yeah. Across the <laughs> the way, uh, just over into his house, the foundry, foundry one, as it's indicated on the map. The numbers are still there, all these years later. <laughs> now is uh, Osman Sadler? It's not Osman Sadler. That's the guy from Resident Evil Four. But the one who is he the new? Is that the new leader or the previous? Leader? Uh, Zido's the new one. Zido's the new. Osman okay. Zido is the new one. Yeah. I know we have all these names written down, and I should be taking better notes myself so I don't have to keep looking them up. Uh, but he'll say to Connor, Do you know the name Osmond Zido? And um, he'll nod and, and say, uh, Somewhat familiar with the man. I... It appears from information we gained from a captive in Scrapwall that. He is now in charge of the Technic League. Can't say I'm terribly surprised. He's a brilliant but conniving individual from what I've heard. And I know um, the whispers have gotten to me at least that he's commanded Gartone's loyalty for quite some time. So Gartone's a powerful ally to have. Then I guess, I guess the information we're giving you isn't as pleasing as I had hoped. I was... Hoping we'd hear that maybe he's someone who would be less interested in sending people like Gartone to Torch than his predecessor. Okay, I very much doubt that. Uh, he sighs and, and looks down. And says, uh, Gartone was... He was actually here while you were all gone. He came with a retinue of his some homonuclei and a contingent of gargoyles. They, they came to inquire after the news of the torch being out and and they um they left with meander well that's distressing news i don't know how they got word of unless sandville did manage to get a note to him before he came down under the mountain oh i had hoped to speak to meander and now instead we find that a very dangerous person has taken her with him ah yes sir I, I don't know how much he knew coming in, other than the the rumors that the torch was out and the tax payments were late. I was able to avoid seeing him, thankfully. I, I do not think he would have been happy to see my face, but Dolga dealt with him and he, uh, he left one of his soldiers here, a, a gargoyle. It's been lingering in town to sort of keep a 
a watch over things. I believe the indication was that he was here partially in, in search of some android, but um, I, I don't think Meanda was, was who he was after. Did they hurt anyone? Thankfully, no, though obviously I cannot speak for Meanda's safety at this point. He was still alive when they took her, though. Oh, yes. And the gargoyle they left, is it... I assume it's not in the... Well, we don't have a jail cell, per se. Just an under, under room somewhere. Where's the gargoyle? Oh, I have no idea where he is right now, but he's been attending council meetings and um, generally making a nuisance of himself since he's arrived. Well, it's kind of adorable, but... <laughs> what was the official story on how the torch turned on or off or any of that? What do they know? Uh, they, they know it. It was out, but we were... Dolga, at least, was able to convince them that it was an unexplained phenomenon. The torch sputters from time to time and usually bursts forth brighter than before before returning to normal and we, I believe, indicated that this was just another one of these fluctuations. Obviously, we pretended to be none the wiser as to the actual um, providence of the torch itself. And everyone in town, there wasn't anyone that he could have run into that would have mentioned something about us going under to restart it. You did basically throw us a parade when we came back. You're sure no one talked? He shrugs and looks down a little bit and says, I honestly have no idea um, who he spoke to or what he came away knowing, but he left, so I don't know that he was particularly interested in whatever's under the hill. There's like a commemorative <laughs> mural outside of the foundry of all of us swimming through the Lake Picture of, of Brixby pushing the button inside the spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this, yeah, small triptych of us fun. under the mountain. Everywhere you go, kids yeah. kick cans up to you and run over to tell you all about the very capable Ford. Hey, mister, you heard about when the torch went out? We form a full number from Newsies. <laughs> they went under and they found a whole spaceship down there with all kinds of crazy technology in it. But don't Can tell the Technic League. <laughs> I'll say you did, friend blanket. <laughs> Modeled after the original. <laughs> I'll sell you a dead Fred blanket. Only one copper. Authentic. It's got real blood stains. I like the idea of the Church of Phrasma doing a limited run VCIV collab dead Fred and blanket. <laughs> Do the right, right. You know, get it. All right. Yeah. There we go. Uh, mm -hmm. Connor probably wouldn't be the one to ask this. It would probably be Dolga to ask if he said anything about what android he was looking for. Because, like, the only other female android we've heard about recently that's plot relevant is uh, what's her face, Cassandra Lee. Or at least was it said she was an android? It was said she was an android, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I guess we didn't ask Connor if uh, the android that they're looking for is plot relevant. Yeah. It seems logical. Yeah. Um, again, this might be a Tolga question, but uh, this gargoyle, how do you uh, how do you reckon he's communicating with Gartone 
that's spying on you. Honestly, I'm not sure of his capabilities. I haven't seen anything to indicate he's a spellcaster of any sort, though. Cartone could certainly be messaging him. He's supervising, I, I suppose. He calls it. I assume that it's related to the disappearance of, of Mr. Trett, that they would be adding security here, perhaps a show of force of sorts. Could it be communicating with him through some means using the Technicleague's technology? Would, if it had something like that, you would be able to recognize it as a former member of the League, wouldn't you? If, if there was something I could see, perhaps, but I've been keeping my distance for obvious reasons. Do you think that creature would recognize you? Sort of stick out right now. Vargas being completely oblivious to the fact that he's got three uh, metal robot legs. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know that he would have any specific reason to know who I am, but I think uh, a man of any sort walking around on remnant parts from an Androphan ruin, I I believe, might be enough of note to, to draw attention. I only ask because, you know... With all that Xyphus warship, accidents can happen. It's a gargoyle. Do you want us to kill him? Gonna. We can do it. I mean, in all honesty, jokes aside, uh, the gargoyle, do you think it's uh, better for them to remain here or perhaps disappear under mysterious circumstances? Um, I honestly don't know. If you'll forgive me for saying, I'm, I'm not hugely confident in in your ability to make him disappear uh, quietly at least he um uh, he's an intimidating fellow honestly it might be best to just let them lose interest in the place and hopefully he'll go back to starfall before long yes if we were to kill him or even just demand that he leave anything to change his mission to make it obvious that he was no longer in town. That would simply raise the League's suspicions even more. The best thing to do is nothing. Let him decide that there is nothing here worth having. I wonder if we couldn't perhaps let some false information find its way to that gargoyle. Something along the lines of, hey, we were out on the road and... We heard that there's been some strange android scene over in, you know, Black Pipe or something, just to sort of throw them off the trail, as it were. Oh, is there a trail to throw them off of, or you're just talking about trying to get them away from here? A little of column A and a little of column B. We, well, despite your reluctance to believe in our combat prowess, have been rather successful in our efforts, as you may have heard. There's no tall tale that I spun in your bar. We believe that we do know that android whom Gartone seeks. We believe we may have ascertained her location. He looks a little surprised at that, I think, and says, um, and that's not here, correct? No, it's not here. That's good. I, I won't um, 
ask you to tell me where she is in, in case they um, question me or, or something to that effect, but I, again, do not mean to insult your prowess, and when I said I, I was not confident, but the technically are, they are um, an entity unto themselves with some of the most powerful spellcasters and some of the most powerful warriors in all Numeria at their disposal. And, um, they're, they're very dangerous foes to make enemies of. I have a chainsaw. <laughs> Just like, sound. That's what chainsaws <laughs> sound like. I've seen a lot of that in one episode of The Office. <laughs> one charge. <laughs> Something else interesting we learned about the League that may or may not have to do with their sudden change in leadership. I don't know how long this particular bit of information has been going on, but the Black Sovereign is apparently nothing more than a figurehead they're hiding behind. He's addicted to Numerian fluids and no longer wields any real power. Um, Connor sighs and says that. As I've said, the Technically, are very dangerous foes indeed. They fight in a number of ways, including, but not limited to, the use of addictive substances like Numerian fluids. They, they I mean, I, I cannot say that Kevath Kool is one I would have expected to fall under their control, but have bested a great number of, of people in their time, and I, I, I don't see them stopping anytime soon. I wonder if information on Cool's condition were to leak out to the general public of Numeria, how many other towns and cities who are more worried about their Kellid armies than their captains would stop following them. I know at least 25 years ago, while the Technic League were an incredibly dangerous force, they were also an incredibly small one, not able to exert much power outside of the city itself. In the time in between, they've used Kevath Kool's resources and reputation to rule the rest of the lands, knowing that he's not in charge anymore. Could be, well, could be something worth knowing to the rest of Numeria. It's possible if it could be exposed somehow. Not sure how he would convince tens of thousands of people, but absolutely the the loyalty of the Kellid tribes is to the Black Sovereign, not to the League. I suppose if there was some way to depose him, but the the man, drugged up or not, is one of the most powerful warriors. Uh, anyone's ever seen. So that may just be a pipe dream. Well, Brixby's made some excellent banners recently. It's possible he could help disseminate that information in a graphical form. It's true. <laughs> he gestures to the banner he has behind him right now across the, the torch skyscape. A uh, little little visual gag for you people at home. Again, it's a mission accomplished banner. There you go. Uh, yeah. No. Right. Yeah. We could. Uh, we could begin to uh, 
disinformation campaign or an information campaign in this instance. Yeah, it's it's. I like where your head's at, Vargas, but not to presuppose how I know uh, killer culture to be. But I imagine you'd be hard pressed to prove to anybody that Kevoff call that you knew and struggle to reconcile with the potential Numerian fluid junkie he is today are one and the same. It would be difficult. He'd have to be called upon to prove that he was still in his right mind and the League could simply claim that he was refusing to honor such a uh, insulting request. It would be very difficult to prove it now that you've mentioned that. However, if we at all gain influence, it's a worthy truth to spread. Yes, I wonder if our big bad daddy points have any influence at all outside of Scrapwall. Only time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, what is the exchange rate for big bad daddy points to uh, torch? I got nothing. I'm sorry, I'm also pretty tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well... The thing is, um, the scrap wall is kind of like the gold saucer in Final Fantasy VII, so um, your points actually reset to zero <laughs> when you walk out of the entrance. <laughs> yes, that was a tortured Final Fantasy VII reference. Yeah, I didn't even get to play the submarine game. You're going to have to just keep going in and out until you find the person you can just buy the points from. Connor, what do you know of Yadenvay? <laughs> oh, I've never been there myself, but from what I hear, they're somewhat unique am- amongst Numerian settlements in that they've generally opted out of the society here. They have an unusually uh, fertile farmlands, and they they grow their own food, and they hunt, and I assume they, they pay their tributes to the Technic League, but they have no um, ruins to speak of. They have no trafficking in technology that the others do here. I believe it's a fairly monotheistic culture. There's a dedicated to a rastal, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know if anyone here has strong ties there? Family, uh, friends, business partners? No one that I know of, no. This might be a question for Dolga, but... If, if you can think of anybody, we may be heading there, and uh, anybody we know on the inside of the walls might help. Kira, I wonder if your mother may have ever traveled there and heard venturing. I don't remember any stories about it, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. She also, you know, didn't tell me. <laughs> My mom was somewhere in Scrapwall until pretty recently, so uh, who could say? Well, you know how parents are, they keep it from their kids until it's convenient to reveal for the plot. <laughs> for the plot, sure. <laughs> they just don't understand. Not that I meant that as a slap in the face. I see what you did there. Alright, so I'm getting pretty tired. I imagine I should probably just, since we're in this building and all. You know, the other building is so much more comfortable. I can have rooms prepared for you Yes, that would be most appreciated. Thank you. We're just really, really tired. No, I don't think we're that tired. I think we can make it across the street. 
<laughs> Brixby, you weigh like 40 pounds. Even I can carry you. <laughs> Come on. Do you need a piggyback ride? Oink, oink. <laughs> yes, oink. All right. Swarming. <laughs> Vargas is going to uh, break into the foundry number three, which is the one with all of the... Uh, Blood remnants. Forging equipment in it and fall asleep on a table in there. <laughs> totally normal things to do. <laughs> Not before forgetting about the like docile uh, maintenance robot and beating it into submission <laughs> before going to sleep. <laughs> All right. Well. No, yeah. We just go and grab a couple of Numerian car bombs from Val behind the bar and just. <laughs> Yeah, the great thing about a 12-year-old pouring the drinks is that she just has no concern for liquor costs. <laughs> Everything's a double. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think we, if everybody's going to sleep at the foundry, then um, we can call it a day on 31st of Eridus and officially transfer to the second month of the campaign. I mean, Kira, Kira will probably go home. No, she's not allowed to. It's too late. She said she was tired. <laughs> oh, bummer. If only you hadn't said you were tired. Yeah. So, I was, okay. Um, Kira gonna break into her house in the middle of the night? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do all the role-playing parts <laughs> in the morning. Just, all right. just climbing through a window. All right. She carves another door <laughs> with a chainsaw. Opens up the window, and then there's Mylon Radley sleeping in her room for some reason. Toss him out. Pops up and goes, Hey, I um, was looking for my contact lens. <laughs> he jumps out the window. Hey, good night, everyone. All right. Um, star wipe to the morning. Why don't we head over to the Smith household where um, when the family wakes up for the day. Surprise, Kira's there. She sits casually at the breakfast table. <laughs> like, all right, what are we having? <laughs> um, which I assume is some sort of beet porridge. Oh, yeah. Um, beets and eggs. Mm-hmm. Honestly, does not sound that bad. I'll eat anything with beets, let's be honest. Uh, hey, hi. Hey, can my friends come over for breakfast? Also, I missed you all. A series of double takes, I think, um, ensue and... Her little brother will come careening out of nowhere and just like hurl himself at her. Yeah, she does the she does the whole family thing. Like she'll pick up her brother, um, and then I don't know, go through her bag for like the closest thing to a to any like um, souvenir. Which the first thing I'm seeing is a grenade. <laughs> just hand that off. <laughs> uh, look what I got for you. Um, hug your parents. Hug your sisters. Yeah, they're both there. It's, it's the whole. Oh, it's the whole thing. The whole. Oh my god! Oh, gross! You smell like road dirt. Were you under an N or something? Oh my goodness! Yeah, for like a minute, it was. I mean, I don't really remember it, but that's what I'm told. Also, lots of road dirt. Oh, disgusting! You should. It was like, gross. Wash the road dirt off before you like. Sit at the table, you're making the table gross. Um, she gives that sister another hug. <laughs> now that sister's gross. Yeah, everyone's gross together. 
and I think the um, yeah, Kira's mom will absolutely like rush over and and hug her as well. <laughs> so happy that you're, you're back. That was, I mean, how how was everything? How 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 was Scrapwall? It was pretty cool. Um, let's see. There was this guy there who didn't like shirts, and we got him to punch a bird, and now his name is different. He's maybe leading some sort of gang. It's hard to say. And then there was this other lady who was like a rat person, and then she had to find her rat person friend, so we went to do that, and we blew something else up, and there was a lot of almost dying. And then also there was this whole weird situation where I fought in an arena. It did not go that well, but the part after that went really well, and maybe we killed a god. We should come back to that part. Just the, the, the god part. Um... So you, um, you did it then. You, you protected the town or saved us from what the hellion thing? Killed the god. We, we, he's dead. Um, also there was, I think I know where my mom, my other mom is or, or, or was, but well, that part we can talk about after the whole god thing. That generally seems to be sort of the inciting incident here, but uh, you judge for yourself. Okay, I mean, we can address it in, in whatever order um, works for you. It's, that is, that's a lot. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's weird that it was like, well, what, two, two weeks that we were gone? Approximately. It feels like several <laughs> months. Yeah, right around two weeks. A little bit more than two weeks. I just didn't unpack that whole trip, I guess. Except for the parts about people almost dying. We'll skip over that, because she does want to head back out again. And I feel like moms have that whole thing. Yeah, she would absolutely clamp down, I think, the uh, manacles if we broached the idea of people almost dying, or actually dying in some cases. Yeah. <laughs> Literal manacles. All right, um, so you've had at least an initial catch-up with your mother, um... What's the what's going on over in the foundry? Which foundry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta specify the building. As you say, Vargas is in a different one than the other two. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hoisted by my own petard! All right, let's start with the foundry <laughs> with only one person in it. The um, foundry uh, number three. Vargas, uh, like he does every morning wakes up uh, well before dawn jerked out of some other horrible nightmare that he will be unable to forget and then sits in quiet contemplation and as he did for the last couple of days he is going to be consciously attempting to think of divine spells while he's doing this and he doesn't seem to quite be getting the hang of it yet. He still seems to just have the same two, and he still is having issue with getting them to work when he wants them to work, but yeah, hasn't exactly had much time to practice with us immediately going into town, meeting Connor and everything, so. But he's just thinking of a lot of stuff. He's thinking of what he learned about Kevath Cool. He's thinking about he defeated Hellion, and it doesn't seem to have stopped his dreams like he hoped it would. Uh, he's thinking about the fact that he apparently died and came back again. And he's also thinking about the fact that there's still 
people from his tribe apparently alive and well. And he's a little angry about that when he considers that the ones who showed up in Scrapwall probably could have solved all of the problems in Scrapwall quite a bit easier than we did and didn't bother to. And that doesn't sit right with him. And he's just thinking about what he needs to do, what the next step is. If it's going after this Cassandra Lee, if that'll help with his dreams, if he needs to go speak to his mother about what's going on with his new powers, what exactly the next thing is. And I think that's part of why he uh, went off to his own little building instead of getting a room at the proper foundry is just to kind of be by himself to think. All right, and how about across the path at foundry number two? Brixby, I mean, he never knew there were beds up here. They should really (laughs) tell people. Um, They're comfortable. It's He intends to tell the rest of the party. Uh, just because it's pretty clear that we didn't know up until this point. It's weird that it took a book. Vargas and I slept here, you know. Huh. Yeah, no. I, Before we left. Just kind of gives you that, like, close blink of non-recognition. It's like, hmm. Asher just sighs <laughs> as he fixes his gun. Uh, Down to only seven broken pistols. Oof. Yeah. Take it off the board. That's that's great. Honestly, that's just that's a little at least from Brixby, it's just light banter with Asher as he fixes the gun about the beds. And in true pot against the machine, um, hanging out in torch fashion, there was no predetermined place for you all to meet in the morning. So I imagine the next several hours are just <laughs> nope. the party wandering about trying to find one another and continuously. Yeah, near misses all over town. It's just a giant Marco Polo. It's probably lunchtime by the time we find Dolga all together. Uh, Early in the morning, I wanted to go and see in the market if there was a particular gnome dragging a bunch of garbage. Well, he only um, drags his stuff out to the market square on fire day for like the big market. Otherwise, he's over at the scrapyard. If you're talking about who I think you're talking about, but honestly, that could be anyone. All right. (laughs) Of course I am. (laughs) Well, I mean, if there is ever anybody to feed misinformation to the gargoyle, it's him. And I want to put him on the trail of the gargoyle by just being like, you know, this is the technically it's going to get to the bottom of this. You just got to share your truth. Don't be dissuaded. So we can pencil that in sometime in the next day. All right. If if you want to head over to talk to Garrett, you know where he works? Shouldn't stand in the way of anything very important that we have to do. But, I mean, that is a conversation I would like to hear you have with yourself. (laughs) Garrett and the gargoyle. I think um, when Kira eventually tracks everyone down, she'll hand out the uh, uh, beet granola bars. Like, um, so I didn't actually ask my mom, but I'm sure you can stay tonight if you want to. Here's some granola bars. Uh, let's go do the thing that we just agreed to do. 
you'd mentioned wanting to talk to Garrett. Asher <laughs> wants to have Denvaya start enchanting his firearm so that we can get that process going. And then uh, eventually it sounds like we have uh, questions for Dolga, see what she knows, if anything, about Aidenvay and what uh, Gartone was up to. Uh, and this is, I don't know if we add this officially to the list, maybe we can just do this as we're walking around, but I would like to keep an eye out for signs of gargoyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. That's important Should have asked mom about that. No, Oops. Oh, so where are we hidden first? We could uh, split the party. Someone wants to come with me to the junkyard and someone else wants to go to the, um, the Chapel of Love. <laughs> we probably would talk to Dolga too, right? Well, I figured we would do that all as a squad after we were done our separate stuff, especially the way that Jeff put it. Don't think Vargas likes Garrett very much. <laughs> so I think he's going to be a kite squad. That's fair. Brixby can just go on his own, especially if, I mean, I don't know if Kira wants to go back to her parents' house, but if you want to come with me to the junkyard, I would love it. Yeah, no, I think she's, uh, she hasn't seen Garrett in a while. Sounds, sounds good. It's been a minute. Oh, man. All right. Um, so we're splitting the squad. 77 Sorry, episodes ago, All right. All Garrett right. said, it's aliens. And that little gnome was 100% right. Uh. <laughs> was totally right the whole time. <laughs> oh, you're so young. I challenge you to find any lie that Garrett has ever told you. Now very suspicious of potatoes. Uh, I'm happy he's going to be vindicated and he will become the next Black Sovereign. Or Bleach Sovereign in his case. That's true. Um, Alright, so let's head to the scrapyard. Over along the um, northeast side of town, uh, basically baking up the end of town at the edge of the Black Hill, is a you know mountain of garbage with a little hut at the front of it and think from quite a distance you can see Garrett um, way up on the hill puttering away at something like he's just like pulling chunks off of um, some dilapidated piece of machinery and every once in a while something will like pop free and he'll almost fall down and um, and catch himself before tumbling off the mountain of junk and that's what you see as you approach Uh, Brixby picks up a piece of rusty scrap metal and puts it inside his pouch and then approaches. Hi, Garrett. Hey, Garrett. Uh, he just about jumps out of his skin <laughs> when you uh, say his name and spins around in midair and um, takes up a karate pose. So he's got both hands up like he's going to do chops. Um, oh, oh, killer. Watch <laughs> out there. Oh, oh. But it's just the man I wanted to see. Just the man I wanted to bring this uh, souvenir from Scrapwall to. This uh, 19 bluff. I brought you something. And um, he narrows his eyes, looks at the rusted piece of crap that just came off the ground from several feet away. And he goes, Carlos, a continuum transfunctioner. Yeah. Just what I've been looking for. Uh, just ties the whole place together. I figured it went with the whole decor you already have. And, well, 
So we're here. Yes, hello. Um, here we are again. I mean, I, I know Zuru, and he'll point at Kira. Look, we're here out of town, but or like around out of town, but like I don't. This is my friend Brixby. Uh, he has an eye for um weird weird metal stuff, like the kind that you like. So I just thought you guys could be friends. Ah, okay. Um, well, hello, Brixby. Um. Your face isn't made of rubber by other chance. No, 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 no. Spurious lies. But now that we're on the topic of spurious lies, don't you hate being lied to? Just like absolutely hate the audacity of someone to tell you that something isn't the truth. Mm. And then he holds up the little bent piece of metal around his eyes so you can kind of see through it. When you know it is, it's looking at him. He narrows his eyes. Everybody's always trying to lie. That's the thing. Because they don't know. They don't know who knows what they know. But they know no one knows. They know that they don't know. know? It's true. And it's important to know who does the knowing. But we... He looks around at all the garbage and no one around. And motions him to come a little bit closer. (laughs) (laughs) We, we have it on a good authority. The powers that be have left an emissary around these parts. Uh, an, a new one, one, one unsullied by uh, potential external looks up at the sky influences. <laughs> Kira makes ghost sounds behind her hand. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's... um. You know, very important. A man whose truth precedes even himself and his knowing of the person who's come to see him, such as this, that, uh, well, that you tell them everything that you know, because you need to be heard. Truly, there is not a day that has elapsed that I haven't slapped my knee and gone. And Garrett was right about that thing, too. I do have knees. Don't look down there. Now I, I can't help but look down there and have a set down. Anyways, um, okay, um, so I think I follow is that there's somebody who doesn't know about the aliens. Motive? No. Really? Yeah. Good, good job. Right? And he stops and he looks behind him. No, never mind. Right. I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the guy, right? With the rings. He walks around. Yeah. He wears a helmet, maybe. Yes, I mean, he does wear a helmet to maybe. It's blocking the signals, the radio signals. We should take his helmet. Yeah, but not before giving him the truth. It is important that you take as much time to really convey it as possible. We're counting on you. You know, they refer to us sometimes as heroes, but... The real hero is here. He reaches out, just kind of touches his forehead. This mind right there. Blinks several times and goes, Do you need a job? I'm currently operating a secret society. You might be the right type of material to 
help me find the aliens. Stop them. <laughs> I can tell with the discretion that you carry yourself with that you are an excellent head of a secret society. I will certainly consider this when I finish my inferior task of saving this accursed nation. But you, you my friend, you must spread the truth as much as you can to other people, but make sure it all gets back to the man with the helmet and the wings. Okay, so go talk to Big Wing Helmet guys. Tell him, and then, okay, and then steal his helmet. And tell him the principal said to steal his helmet. Okay, and then we're, I'm right. No, 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 you, you, you don't want to mention us. He's writing it all down on his arm with like a piece <laughs> of rust, so it's just all in orange, just smears all over. Well, after you steal the helmet, if you mention my name, the aliens will be able to suck it out of his brain, mate. So, no names. You know, no names. Waggles his rat eyebrows. Vague is, 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 is good. That's, um... It's how they communicate. Vaguely. <laughs> Don't need a lot of words to speak the truth, mate. Okay. Don't say any names. Helmet. Robot. But now we're about Alan Wings. Lies. Tell the truth. Steal it. No bricks, please. No names. No words. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. I got it. All right. Hands in then. And conspiracy <laughs> on three. One. Two. Conspiracy. Oh. Conspiracy. I thought you were going to say three. I also thought you were going to say three. <laughs> that was... And he just looks sad well, and confused. <laughs> and scene. Solid. Really, really good contribution there. <laughs> All right. And, um... Just gotta write that down. All right, and um, cutting over to the Chapel of Bry, where Vargas and um, Asher have um, journeyed. Yeah, are uh, Kite and Envaya holding hands? Um, I don't think they're hold. They're sitting on a porch swing out front. <laughs> no, they're um, in the main part of the chapel, and um, I think that. Kite is basically like showing her around the the different parts of the um, shrine and like all the different things they have set up and um, like where they keep the extra holy books and all the stuff like that. And uh, but they're not too preoccupied when you come in and Dinvaya waves and she oh hello just just the two of you today. Yes, uh, Brixby and Kira had something they were going to take care of and well I. Hope I'm not intruding on your priestly duties, but you had mentioned that it would be possible for you to enhance my weapon at cost, if I recall. Uh, yes, that, that's right. Um, Joram will sort of step away a little bit and go, oh, Yes, uh, we, we have plenty of facilities in the, the back to facilitate uh, crafting. Or obviously, there's the foundry and the foundry and then various foundry cards and the artisan skills. There's plenty of places to work is what, what I'm saying. It's, it's 
not awkward at all. You, you're being awkward. That's probably true. I've been known to be awkward from time to time. In any case, uh, and Asher would, in a very non-threatening way, draw his pistol from his holster, never pointing it at <laughs> either of them, but then just kind of spin it to where he holds the barrel and then hands the, the handle of the gun to uh, Denvaya. Uh, Denvaya will come over and take it, um, look it over, uh, point the barrel, you know, straight at her face like you do when you take a gun. No, 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 please. <laughs> Luke looking at the lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just checking to see if it's loaded, you know. <laughs> this is horrific gun safety. Guns are very serious and very dangerous, kids. And Asher looks at the camera. <laughs> All the youths running around outside, just going, pew, 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 throwing cans at each other. It's always cans. At... They've got all of Asher's broken <laughs> I need those. Hey, They have a library to throw cans at each other at. <laughs> yeah, they're throwing broken guns. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then Vae goes, um, Yes, I, I believe it'll take about three days to get this up and running, but I can handle it for you. I sincerely appreciate that. That's the least I could do after, you know, the lot of you saved my life and brought me back here. Kai goes, Save, saved your life? I, you didn't mention that part. She goes, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. It's a long story. Yes, I'm sure you were up, rather, listening to the careless whisper in bronze all night. <laughs> it's a catchy tune. It was, uh, was quite the story. We convinced her to come with us into a very dangerous situation during which she was kidnapped, and then we rescued her from it about two days later. <laughs> well, that doesn't seem very fast at all. I would have rescued him one day. I'm sure you would have, dear father. I'm sure you would have. Extenuating circumstances, of course. That's a bit of an oversimplification of what happened, but needless to say, <laughs> I don't believe you owe us any debt, Dinvaya, what with all the hospitality and healing. I have been honored to consider you a friend, and am quite overjoyed that I was able to play a part in reuniting you two and letting you know the truth that you don't need to live in fear or hiding any longer also uh, while we're here father uh, you wouldn't happen to know anything about uh, Yadinve would you anyone you know that's there anyone in town you may know of that has connections to that town thanks for a moment I believe they um, don't take kindly to followers of Bry there. I haven't been myself, but I've heard they're somewhat uh, uh, technophobic people, virulently so. If you're planning on going, I would, um, I would definitely hide your devices, um, any devices you may have. The more we hear about this place, the more it makes sense. We believe there may be an android hiding out, and 
It doesn't seem like there's too much better place to hide from someone looking for technology than in a town that, from what it sounds like, attacks you on sight if they see it. I'm I'm not sure that they would attack on sight, but (laughs) they would certainly be hostile. It's Yes, I think if I was an android looking to hide, that that may be where I would go. We're going to find her, like, on a dirt farm or something with all of her, like, wires, not wires, with all of her tattoos and stuff covered <laughs> She's going to be the one with the baseball hat and the sunglasses and just the big <laughs> winter coat in the middle of summer. Yeah. Very not suspicious. Do we have anything else to talk to the two of them about? Yeah. I think we're... Actually, you know what? He will say, uh... uh also, uh, Father, and you as well, Denvaya, uh, and maybe Father Radley would be another one to talk to. I have recently come into divine abilities of my own, and wonder if maybe at some point I could talk to the two of you about finding out possibly why this would happen and what I should be doing to help foster these abilities and grow them stronger. And they, um, exchange a look between the two of them, and uh, Joram will go, Um, well, yes, certainly, uh, my door is always open, except, you know, when it's closed, wink, wink. Um, but, uh, anytime you would like to have a, a conversation, I would honestly welcome it. Well, thank you very much thank both of you yeah asher would just uh thank them and be ready to walk out all right as as uh if vargas is as well as they walk away asher would just kind of shake his head and say i didn't want to embarrass the man but i mean all doors are open unless they're closed it wasn't anything particularly special And Vargas will say, yes, uh, I I think that may have been, like, a metaphor or something. Uh, also, I just realized you're also someone who has come into divine powers recently in their life. Is there anything you can share about how it happened to you? I must admit, it was... A surprise to me, as it has been seemingly to you, I had observed and been around paladins and clerics of Caldea when I was in Alkenstar. It was something I also didn't expect to have the knack for, but it sounds as though you'd tried to pursue this, whereas I wasn't particularly interested in it myself. But... The experience for me was, well, something that I didn't see coming, but I was able to sort of follow after what I had learned and what I'd seen others do. I wonder if, despite your relationship with her, you might find, thinking back on things that you'd seen your mother do, you may at least find some sort of guidance as well in that we don't always anticipate the past being a teacher for the future, but 
In some ways, it continues to surprise us when it comes up to be relevant. That's actually very good advice. Thank you, Asher. And I realize after saying that, that that sounds really crappy. Like, wow, I'm surprised you gave good advice. It was not meant to come off like that. I realized as I was saying it, like, wow, that's very rude. Uh, Asher didn't, uh, didn't catch that at all. Don't worry. Yeah. You're quite welcome. I'll admit, I still feel as though I'm discovering what I'm capable of. But at the same time, I, I haven't thought to lean too heavily on those divine powers. I feel as though I could choose to follow that path more and more, but it seems these days I still have much to learn in the way of the gun in order to defend those who need defending. Yes, that's something else to think of, whether I want to continue trying to grow this power. It's I'll admit it's something I've wanted for a long time, but learning the Jiskin arts has proven to be incredibly helpful for me. I don't know if I want to give that up in order to focus on these new divine abilities or not. It's something I need to think more on. Yes, it's certainly not something to rush into, but I think you're on the right track, even just considering, thinking about how you want your path to be, because you do have the privilege of setting your own path. Thank you again for your advice and just for everything these this past month. Well, you're welcome, of course, but thanks are due to you and Kira and Brixby coming back here to Torch after what felt like months in Scrapple. I feel as though we're hardly the same people we were when we left in some aspects, but at the same time, it's thank you as well. Yeah feeling I guess then is mutual and Vargas will uh, put out his fleshy hand, his left hand and uh, hold it up for Asher to shake and Asher will warmly return the handshake and he'll smile oh, is this a predator handshake? Mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's the only one he knows how to do <laughs> Asher, you son of a word we can't say on this podcast the normal human mother and normal human father TM, TM. No, um. Well, I think with the um, party splitting part of the episode complete, though, um, obviously, this is the part where you each get in separate encounters that are both designed for mm-hmm. the full party, and we have a TPK. Mm-hmm. You managed to meet up without incident. We just run into the Blindheim <laughs> in the center of town. We're like, oh, oh, God. It's a giant Blindheim this time. And the other party runs into six gargoyles and some of those horrifying baby homunculi things. <laughs> Turns out Garcone came back. But they're all incorporeal. Uh, shall we go see Dolga? Interested to hear how the uh, lovebirds are doing. Yeah, you guys didn't find a gargoyle, right? No, we saw no sign of it on the way to the temple. It's probably good. It occurs to me now, walking through these streets again that now that we know the fate of Garmin Ulrith 
Seems to be a vacant real estate lot. If, when all's said and done with whatever adventures we find ourselves on, there could be worse places to put down roots for a bit. Something to think on, I suppose. Kira tries really hard not to like say anything or otherwise give away that she's excited. Um, <laughs> her eyes go wide and she like just clutches the chainsaw just a little too close. Yeah, we could all think about that if you wanted. It was just something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> hesitate in that, uh, but put, put roots and uh, root down or whatever. <laughs> just a root and toot and whatever. Boy, howdy. <laughs> Although I do wonder what happened to Nick Shario. We'll have to change the locks, of course. She may have a key. You find out she's just been hiding out there the whole time. She never left. <laughs> no, she is going to come back uh, with with Patchy Blue as this like deadly <laughs> duo in book six. I had completely forgotten about her, but yeah, we never ran into her in Spratball, which you figure would be where... We also never found out who turned Garmin into a horrible demon monster. Hmm. Weird. Probably nothing. <sighs> Curious. Mm-hmm. It- Super yeah. random. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Just yeah. numeria things. Maybe yeah, you know, maybe it's a fluid it's, thing. We don't know what's on that table. Whoops. All chitons. Mm-hmm. It's it's just one of those things like the weird uh, four-footed stat or four-toed foot statue in Lost that seems like it's going to be important, but then they forget about it halfway through season two. I'm sure they always had something planned for that statue. JJ knows. They're just waiting for the spinoff. <laughs> But if you head on over to the uh, town hall and up to the familiar chambers where Dolga's always working, there's Dolga sitting at the table going through her various papers and sitting across from her on a entirely too small for him chair is just a massive gargoyle, full on um, plate mail armor with his huge wings folded behind him and he's sort of leaned back in the chair kind of partially just because his legs are too long and he can't really sit comfortably he's got his arms crossed in front of him looks just a little bit as you come in and then um, turns his eyes back to whatever papers he has on, on the table in front of him <laughs> she looks oh he- hello all of you welcome back uh, hi, Doka. Are you blink if you're not having a good time? Um, everything is, um, fine. Uh, this is, um, Master Sazduk from, uh, Starfall. He's joining us for the time being. <laughs> and, um, Sazduk, these are, um, some associates of mine. They, they go by the... Oh, very capable four as a group. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, no, I mean, it's we don't really have a group name. There's no reason to really name just a bunch of um, unrelated acquaintances that get together on uh, toil day for two for Tuesdays at Charlie's, you know, what it were. We were just, um, anyway, Asher. Yeah, <laughs> very smooth. Bricks me just swarms into someone else's square to get away. 
<laughs> yes, Dolga, we didn't realize you uh, had a guest here. We certainly don't mean to intrude. We were just, as Brixby said, here to oh, just kind of stretch our legs about town and, well, always good to, to drop in and and see you. I do hope you've been well. Yes, and um, the same to all of you, of course. We hope that you keep being well. Let's say we continued on our plans to get chicken. Do you want chicken with us? Perhaps I'll have some chicken with you this evening after after the close of work. Gargoyle just doesn't even look up. He just sort of flips over a piece of paper and just like a big growling sigh. Can any of us from where we're standing see what he's looking at? Like, does it look like maps? Does it look like something written? Yeah. Is there a way to do it, like, without obviously leaning over his shoulder? Like, do a perception and a stealth, or just perception, or...? I would say just a perception. Um, that is a 12 on the die for a 20. With a 20, it looks like he's got um like basically long series of letters in in front of him um several different sets of handwriting but it, it's hard to read from that far away can i 29 read it <laughs> with a 29 maybe the slightly canonically higher angle of kira's eyeline <laughs> um even though it's the same height um kira can see that uh it looks like he's um basically uh, assembling a set of like testimonies of like the people basically having described a series of events over the past several months just sort of talking about like descriptions of their their day-to-day -day lives uh, what they've done anything unusual like very mundane looking documents and it's just an all sorts of different sets of handwriting like he's assembled reports from lots of people and he's very tediously digging his way through them so he's probably looking for info on what happened to the torch because they clearly don't believe <laughs> when she said it just turned back on it's just a poster in the back of us all collectively flipping a novelty sized <laughs> light switch with the torch <laughs> turning on that's just like Oh, that's been. It, she has it framed, but it's um, <laughs> turned around, facing backwards. So it's just weirdly just a cardboard rectangle hanging on the wall, <laughs> just totally blank. She says, um, yeah, "Perhaps we can um, talk later if I um, say meet you over by uh, Charlie's in the evening." Well, you would need to pick up that customary chicken if you are still planning to come to dinner. Of course, the customary live chicken for dinner. Yes. Or pet. Yeah. Typically on the family day. The, the chicken's not for dinner. It's, well, maybe it is. Who's to say? Anyway, good talk. Yes, good, totally natural and in no way suspicious talk. <laughs> Just all back out. <laughs> and, um... As you're leaving the room, the Sazduk is gonna slap down his the paper he was looking at, and uh, finally turn his head to look at the lot of you and say, uh, "Wait." 
There's only eight chairs. I'm so sorry. And then I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard you mention you were eating a live chicken, and that got his attention. <laughs> it's like, ooh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, night, Sam. Good night, night Sam. Night, Sam. Property of Network Against the Machine, LLC, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods of Enterpath are property of ISO Publishing. See their website for more details. Theme Against the Machine was written and performed by your own Zach. See the show notes for additional music and sound licensing. If you enjoyed the show, we encourage you to leave us a review. I think with that, the... I didn't punch my microphone. You punched my microphone. Sorry. <laughs> is he voiced by Keith David? I don't know who that is. The voice of Goliath from the hit ah. Gargoyles okay. TV show. As well as like basically any, <laughs> any other game video game character or, 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 uh, yeah, or animated character you pick. It's like you haven't been playing Keith Mass David. Effect. <laughs> he also plays Keith David in Saints Row 4. Which I love. He's the guy that got in the ten minute fight with Rowdy Roddy Piper in uh, They Live. Man, with the sunglasses on. If ever I thought who As would be do. pivot to <laughs> other than Dwayne Johnson, turns out it's Keith David. Dwayne Johnson, Tim Curry, and now Keith David. All right. I was gonna say I could do a Keith David podcast for sure. Yeah, I mean, only I one of those one. actors was in Community. <laughs> I know, and that's sad. For me, and for you, and all of Greendale Community <laughs> College. <laughs> <laughs>